Welcome to this episode of Talking Theology Along the Way. I'm Dustin Coleman. I'm John Candler. I'm Jonathan Woodyard. And our aim is to help real-life people think theologically through real-life problems for God's glory and our everlasting joy. Welcome to today's podcast. We're glad you've tuned in to listen. Uh, we're excited to talk with each other about some important issues uh, today, what the issues we think are important. Uh, the last podcast, we had talked about cooperating together, uh, working together individually, working together as churches in order to reach uh, people with the good news of Jesus. And so we want to pick that up and pick up one of the things that we talked about was the cooperative program of the Southern Baptist Convention. And we thought it would be maybe helpful to elaborate on what the CP is CP means or stands for cooperative program. So, John, I'm just ask you just real briefly. When I say cooperative program, what am I talking about? Sure, it's a uh, funding mechanism that allows Southern Baptist churches to pool money together uh, cooperatively, hence the name, for the sake of mission all around the world. Yeah, it really is a fantastic um, way for churches that are spread out geographically to link arms together for the cause of Christ. And in 1845, the Southern Baptist Convention was created. And for a long time, there was just a different method of trying to fund different ministries that the convention had going. People would uh, ride around to different churches, literally ride horses around to different churches uh, and try to collect money for the various ministries. But in the early 20th century, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention came up with a different uh, structure, a uh, different funding mechanism. Uh, and in 1925, uh, they formed the cooperative program. It really was born out of uh, what was called the $75 million campaign that launched, uh, I think, around 1919 or so. Uh, and for several years, they sought to raise $75 million in order to fund the cooperative ministries. Uh, at the end of the day, they, they didn't reach that goal. They only raised around, I think, $58 million or so. Uh, but what was born out of it is what we know today as the cooperative program. Uh, and so this uh, this funding mechanism is something that uh, is, I think, uh, one of the best models for churches working together uh, to reach the nations. So, John, we're talking about the cooperative program. That's a little bit of what it is and a little bit of the history. But could you take just a second and explain to those who are listening who aren't familiar with how it works and just tell us uh, how the thing works out? Sure. So churches will typically give to a state or a regional convention uh, as part of giving to the cooperative program. So for example, I live here in Kentucky. We have the Kentucky Baptist Convention that we partner with on a state and regional level. Jonathan, I know that there's an association that, what is it, the Wisconsin-Minnesota Baptist Convention? Almost got it right. It just reversed that, Minnesota-Wisconsin Baptist Convention. And and so we have a two-state convention because (laughs) if you go to Kentucky, I think, and you can correct me, there's like 2,500 or so Southern Baptist churches in your state. Is that is that right? Yeah, that's about right. In Minnesota, Wisconsin, you have a little bit less than 200 Southern Baptist churches in the two-state area. And so we combine our efforts into one convention. 
Yeah. So, so partnering churches will give to the, to the state or to these regional conventions. Typically what happens then is the, the state or the region will keep about 50 to 60% of the monies that are given to these cooperative efforts for local missions and for regional missions there in the, in the state or the region. The rest of the money is then sent on to Nashville to the National Southern Baptist Convention. Again, that would be about 50, 40 to 50 plus or minus percent that goes on to the national level. And then that gets dispersed 50% or so to the International Mission Board for the sake of spreading the gospel across the nations. About 25% of what makes it to Nashville will go to the North American Mission Board for North American missions. And then the remaining 25% or so goes to fund six Southern Baptist Theological Seminaries and then the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. So all that money is split up uh, between those ministries and helps fund them. I, I don't think they, that that money completely funds every entity. Is that correct? That's de- that's definitely correct. I mean, you look at the seminaries, for example, it's only a portion of what comes in. I mean, they receive funding from endowments and grants and rent for uh dorms and they get tuition money and so on. So there's there's all kinds of other funding sources that come in, but they play a significant role in the viability, the long-term sustainability of all of these institutions. Now, John, Dustin, either one of you guys can jump in. You, you said that we send our money to, say, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and then they take a portion and then they send the rest on. Uh, and you said it was anywhere between 40 and 50 or so percent that goes on. Aren't there some states that are trying to move to um, even higher percentages of sending that money on to the state convention or the national convention? There's conventions that are trying to do that. And I think the the big reason behind it is what you were talking about earlier. The whole reason for the cooperative program is to fund a mission. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, just like, just like with every other organization, over time, overhead costs start to rise, and you've got more administrative things in, in the state. And since they get the money first, they're kind of looking at what they need. And it, it got to the point where maybe we lost sight a little bit of what this was really about, not so much as an organization that needs staffing and stuff, but as an organization that's supposed to fund mission and so several years ago, there was something within the cooperative program or Southern Baptist Convention called the Great Commission Resurgence, where people woke up and said, hey, we need to get more money out to advance the gospel. And so there was a move to get the states to, to keep less of that money and to send more of it on to the International Mission Board, North American Mission Board, seminaries to fund those missionaries and pastors. Yeah, that's good. That's helpful. I think at the beginning, the one thing or the phrase that uh, that they would use at the beginning, which I really love of the CP, is this one sacred effort. I think it, actually that may go all the way back to the very formation of the Southern Baptist Convention back in 1845. Uh, I can't remember if that, that phrase is attached to the CP or the formation of the SBC, but regardless, that phrase is helpful. This is We're, we're linking arms here for this one sacred effort uh, to reach people uh, with uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, just a, a number, I think, as we, we're getting ready to transition to uh, maybe how we've benefited from this. Uh, but here's a number for you. 
how much money has come in uh, since the formation of the SB or the cooperative program. As of September 30th, 2017, Southern Baptists have given more than $18 billion to the cooperative program since 1930. That's amazing generosity from Christians who are taking their financial resources and giving it away uh, in order to support the mission. I I can't think of a better investment uh, that you could make with your financial resources than supporting ministries, giving to your local church, your church then giving to ministries outside of itself. Uh, And I look at that number, $18 billion dollars. And I'm just kind of blown away that it's that high. Uh, when you guys hear that number, did you think it'd be that high? I don't think I've ever really thought about it before <laughs> of what the number would be. So I yeah. can't say that I was surprised. Yeah. yeah, it's a high number. And you think about how many missionaries have been able to be supported over the years, folks who've been able to go overseas yeah. long term for, for a career. Uh, how many thousands of, of people groups have heard the gospel for the first time uh, because these missionaries can devote their their time and their energy specifically to doing the work of the ministry apart from having to fundraise. I think that's something that energizes Southern Baptists. I mean, we're, a, we're an, a people who want to see every tribe, tongue, and nation bow the knee yeah. to King Jesus. And uh, I think the giving numbers certainly ref- reflect the eagerness and the generosity and the willingness of Southern Baptists to see the nations come to faith That's in Jesus. Uh, before we move on to, to uh, how we've benefited personally, I do want to just press in and just reiterate, you know, John talked about uh, how it works, this money going to support these different entities. But really quickly, one of the entities that I think is often overlooked, but is really important, particularly as we look at uh, the Weather Channel today and we see what's happening in the Bahamas. We've seen uh, this Hurricane Dorian moving up the up the coast, and this is the kind of season we're in. Uh, and then last year, there was quite a bit of uh, natural disaster. Uh, and one of the things that the Southern Baptist Convention is able to do is provide relief uh, relief efforts. So you have uh, the North American Mission Board has two major arms in it. It has the SEND planting, like church planting network. It also has SEND relief. Uh, and so it's the disaster relief arm of the North American Mission Board. And it's the third largest relief agency. I don't one. I don't know if I want to say the world, um, but at least in the nation, it's the third largest relief agency. And so a lot of our dollars are going not just to plant churches, not just to help seminary students go to school, not just to pay the salary of, of say, some of our entity heads, but to uh, minister to those who are suffering in, in different ways. And I think that's something uh, to note as we talk about how, how much money we're giving and what it's doing. Yeah, so when you talk about what we can tell our people in our churches, when when you give just your regular tithe and the church sends some of that along to the cooperative program, you can tell people, hey, by giving today, you are supporting missions, both among the nations and in our own country. You are supporting pastors and missionaries being trained. You're supporting the relief for things like Hurricane Dorian just by giving your weekly tithe at the church. To me, that's such a a huge thing for us to tell the folks at our church. 
you want to help these things out, give faithfully and you will be helping to fund support mm-hmm. all these really mm-hmm. important things. That's good. What were you going to say there, John? Yeah, I was just going to add that with, with Send Relief, one of the things that, that I've heard time and again, particularly from church planners who are in the New Orleans area, is that having Send Relief opens so many doors for evangelism and opens so many doors for church planning because the Southern Baptists already have a reputation for being willing to serve the community by meeting these physical needs that people often have. And so, you know, somebody may say, well, why are we giving money to to do disaster relief? Shouldn't we be sending that money to the ends of the earth so that an unreached people can come to faith in Christ? Well, Send Relief cares for people as people, the whole body, and it, and it gives us an opportunity to share the gospel with them. And we've seen fruit from that uh, on the evangelism and on the church planting side of things as well. So they complement each other very well. That's good. Uh, a a pastor that has influenced me and you guys uh, has said that Christians care about all suffering, especially eternal suffering. Uh, so we certainly want to get the gospel, the good news out uh, to everybody that we can. Uh, the, the biggest problem that people face is not hurricanes or financial struggles or health issues, although those, although those are significant, the biggest problem they face is enmity with a holy God. Uh, and so that's, that's paramount. However, that doesn't mean that meeting physical needs is unimportant. It's also, I think, part of what it means to be a Christian in this world that we care about people. We really do love people. We want, we want to see people flourish. And we want to come alongside of the hurting. Uh, we want to come alongside of those who are suffering uh, and give them hope, but also to give them help in the moment. So hope for the future and help in the moment are things that uh, I think cooperating together through the CP allows us to do. So those are those are some important reasons, I think, to give to the CP. But when, when uh, Dustin and John and I sit here and talk about this, we're all three guys who have personally benefited from churches around the country giving to the cooperative program. So guys, could you just maybe share a couple of ways that you personally or your families have benefited from the cooperative program? Yeah, I'm on, I'm on seminary degree number three, (laughs) working on that. (laughs) And part of what, the cooperative program does when it gives to seminaries is it allows the seminaries to charge less for tuition for pastors and guys who are coming up through Southern Baptist churches. So I was able to study at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary for two of those degrees. Now I'm studying at Midwestern. And I have been able to work with top-notch scholars, top-of-the-line faculty guys that are writing books and and doing things in theology and linguistics for an unbelievably low price because there are 50,000 churches that are helping me go to seminary. <laughs> you know. Yeah. All of those churches are all giving to the pot and they're helping make it easier for guys like me to study, to train, to learn, to be equipped. 
which is a huge blessing for me. Not, not just that I'm able to do that, but then going on, I am able to give myself more freely to the ministry because I'm not strapped with all of these financial obligations from having to, to pay $20,000 a semester to go to seminary. I think about Paul. He was working and he had to make tents, but then when a gift came from the churches, he was able to devote himself more fully to the ministry. And I think about that's a lot how the the cooperative program works. I would be strapped with all kinds of financial concerns, or I wouldn't be able to get the schooling at all without that help. But a gift from the churches has come through the cooperative program, which allows and frees me to be able to do that with less hindrance. That's good. John, what about you? Well, I'm in the same boat as as Dustin, although I don't have three degrees. Uh, I've only got one, but I did go to the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And and we want you to do another one, John. Uh, that is true. You guys have been prodding me for years <laughs> it's now. It's just a matter of time. You're already doing the work. You just, you're just not yeah. getting credit for it. That's right. You're well, farther along in your PhD work than I am, and I'm actually in a PhD program. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see what the future holds. We'll see. But this is a so a little glimpse into uh, John and Dustin and I's relationship from a distance as we text each other all the time. I'd say almost every day uh, there, there's a text stream going on, and Dustin and I have been trying to get John to pursue a PhD. Uh, he has the mind for it. He has the discipline for it, and uh, I think. The Lord wants him to do it if I was to speak prophetically. Now, I'm going to go ahead and speak that prophetic word. Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> John, you're smarter than oh, us. You've oh, got more discipline oh. than us. All right, we'll move on. Moving on, back to John and how he's uh, benefited from the cooperative program. Yes, yeah, like Dustin and Jonathan, like you've benefited from the 50% discount on theological education and I would just echo all the things that that Dustin said there. And I would say this, if anyone's listening and you're from a Southern Baptist church who's given to the cooperative program and you are attending one of the Southern Baptist seminaries, knowing that you get a 50% discount on your theological education because there are tens of thousands of other churches who are giving to the cooperative program, that ought to cause you to pause and to think about your work ethic when you're in school. That ought to cause you to be someone who works even more diligently at your schooling, knowing that other people are paying for it in part. So be diligent in, in your studies. Um, Amen. It, it should also cause you, John, what would you say about a, an attitude of gratefulness? Absolutely. We talked about a, a couple of episodes ago, we raised the issue of of raising our children to be thankful and grateful. Uh, well, I think that principle would apply here, right? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. You sit back and look at, at, at what you're receiving here. I mean, you're receiving tens of thousands of dollars that goes toward this education that's not coming out of your pocket, that someone else is freely giving. I mean, you, your, your yeah. response to that ought to be praise the Lord for the way the cooperative program works and praise the Lord for, for all of the people from the, the little old lady who's living on a fixed income to the, the most wealthy person who's giving in the SBC uh, that they are giving to help support the education that, that you are receiving so that you can be better trained and better equipped to fulfill the ministry that God has laid in front of you. Yes, absolutely. Thankfulness ought to be ought to be a response uh, that's right. to, to the discount. That's right. One of the other things, we're just pressing in on this for a moment. Um, t- 
talking to maybe our younger selves. Uh, I think it should also create a sense where you as a young, budding, theologically minded pastor, minister, missionary, church planter should be careful about how you disparage the SBC, how you're benefiting from the convention. And at the same time, I've seen a lot of guys that are happy to take the benefits of this cooperative program, the benefits that's offered, and then turn around and speak in really unhelpful ways. And I think I'm putting that kindly about the convention. Have you guys seen seen that in your own ministries or been around guys like that before? I think there's a level of frustration that can sometimes come from cooperating with this, the Southern Baptist Convention. Because let's be honest, anytime you get enough people together, there's going to be some knuckleheads joining the party and some people that are doing things that are frustrating or things with which you don't want to be associated. So yeah, you can, you can, anytime you, you've got an organization that's that big and is moving in a direction, it takes a, it's really, really hard to get it to move in a different direction or it can start to, to lean or drift one way and then you've got to pull it back, but that takes time and it takes patience and it takes grace. And sometimes Young guys like us, although I'm inching ever closer to 40, so I don't know how long I can take that title. <laughs> Young guys like us get impatient because we're mobile and we're fast and we want to do things and we're ready to go. So, yeah, I think there can be some impatience with that and not realizing the people that are, that are causing you headaches have also faithfully supported all the things from which we're benefiting for the last 40, 50 years. Yeah, that's I think true. about that on a church level too. Sometimes we don't want to, it's easy for us to criticize a certain generation, maybe that doesn't like to change. But then I think these people have given and volunteered and prayed for this church for the last 40 years. I need to be very careful how I speak about them. That's right. That's good. Very helpful, Dustin. John, would you jump in at anything? Yeah, I think what Dustin said was true. Um, maybe I'm just not on the Twitter sphere or the the blogosphere enough because you know I can't at least off the top of my head I can't think of folks that that I know who receive benefits from the cooperative program but disparage it. Maybe I'm I'm missing something, but well, that could be. It could be my context. I mean, I've ran in some circles. And maybe I've just seen it with some church planters, and I've been guilty of it myself. So uh, I'm not saying, look, you know, just talking to everybody else and not my own heart. Um, uh, so I've been guilty of this, and I've ran in some circles where guys are happy to take the benefits and yet uh, don't want to be involved. And you ask them why, and they just are disparaging towards the convention. And I just uh, I think that we just need to be cautious there, careful. And the way we involve ourselves in something that is providing so much to us, uh, you know, to, to be grateful, it doesn't mean not that there's not an uncritical a level of criticism that you can level at things. I mean, constructive criticism is good. I just want to caution guys as they're benefiting from this cooperative program that we're talking about that they should think carefully about how they then turn around and speak about the convention or involve themselves or not 
in the, the work of the convention. So that's all. Just a, a word of caution for guys as they as they benefit from churches that are giving and praying and helping them receive the great educations that they do. So, so we've talked about you know what the or the Quapa program is, how we've benefited personally. Just real quickly, are there any particular ways you guys would say that your churches, as institutions, maybe your churches have benefited from the cooperative program? Absolutely. I mean, I can think of a handful of things just off the top of my head. On the one hand, you know, we we mentioned that the cooperative program helps to fund the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. And this commission exists to help us maintain religious liberty. That's one of the core principles of of being a a Baptist, of being a Southern Baptist, is, is this idea of religious liberty. Because historically, Baptists have been a persecuted minority. But the the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission helps us to maintain religious liberty because we recognize biblically that government shouldn't bind our consciences. And so them advocating for us on Capitol Hill with with legislation helps us maintain the religious liberty that we have that that keeps proper separation between church and state, uh, as well as they they maintain this freedom that really helps us in our evangelism. I mean, you think about the fact that we do have religious liberty. We can advocate for the gospel. We can have these conversations with with people who may not believe the gospel, and we can do so freely, letting the 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 words themselves, the, the gospel and the power of the Spirit, do the convicting without having the government say, no, you can, you can't say that. And so, you know, all of our churches benefit from the fact that we have religious liberty and the ERLC that's funded by the cooperative program helps maintain that. That's yes. one thing. Uh, I'll let y'all chime in, but I do have a few others. Yeah, helpful. John, your audio cut in and out there just a little bit, but I think we got the gist of it with the uh, Ethics Religious Liberty Commission um, helping us think through uh, cultural issues. And we've certainly benefited from Dr. Moore, uh, who's the president of the ERLC and his writings and speaking. He's been very helpful to me. Uh, so thankful for that ministry. Just real quickly, a couple of ways that we've benefited. We planted our church about three years ago now, and the cooperative program uh, through the North American Mission Board has uh, supported us tremendously uh, in terms of financial resources, caring for us, making sure my family was cared for in different ways, sending a gift card here or there as we needed it. And they also gave us startup funds. They paid for uh, a good bit of my salary in the first couple of years as I was a, a North American Mission Board approved and supported church planter. And they still continue to help us in a lot of different ways when we need things. Uh, I can call the send missionary here in our town and ask him for help if I if I need it. So he has resources at his disposal to help our church and other church planters because of the cooperative program. So those are those are some ways. So our churches benefit tremendously from uh, the CP, uh, the cooperative program, and I'm grateful for it. And because of that, because our churches benefit, we also want to give back. So we give a percentage of our budget to the cooperative program because we want to 
be part of not just receiving help, but giving help. And I'm sure your churches give as well. So the last thing I want to do as we've looked at the cooperative program and the history of it, how it works, how we've benefited personally, how our churches have benefited. And I wonder if someone were to ask you just real simply, what are the main reasons that you would lead your churches to give to the cooperative program? What's at the top of the list for you? Missions and church planning. As as we said in the last podcast, we can do more together than we can on our own. And one of the things that the cooperative program really funds well is international missions, reaching the nations with the gospel, the North American Mission Board, seeing churches planted in underserved areas and in urban areas here in North America. And that's exciting. I mean, our, our church loves missions. We've got international mission board missionaries all across the world right now serving as uh, soon-to-be church planters. We've got partnerships that we have developed in South America through the International Mission Board, through what was at one time called Reap South, that allowed us to invest in an unreached people group in Peru that now has a gospel preaching church. And so partnering together for the sake of spreading the gospel, missions with church planning, that's why we do it. Good. Dustin, you want to jump in? What's at the top of the list for you? I would say that it's encouraging every member of our church that no matter what you give, you are helping to support all of the things that John just talked about. When John said earlier about the the older lady on a fixed income, I thought immediately of a lady in our church who is on a fixed income. She's she's retired. The medicine that she has to pay for is so expensive. And I remember sitting down with her one day and encouraging her. She was so upset that she couldn't give like she wanted to. And I was able to encourage her and tell her that you what you do give, you're putting your hand with millions of other Southern Baptists to help people like me go to school and to help get church planters out in places where they need to be and help get missionaries out into the ends of the earth so people can hear the gospel. So for me, it's a, it's a great tool for to use to encourage our people, whatever you give, it's helping. So give with confidence, give, give with generosity. We've got a lot of blue collar folks in our church who, who may not be able to do a lot on their own, but because they're giving to the cooperative program and our church is sending that on, they're able to be a part of what God is doing in other states and other parts of our state and other nations all throughout the world. It's encouraging. That's good. A few years back, we had a lot of younger guys leaving the Southern Baptist Convention, or at least talking about leaving the Southern Baptist Convention. Because Dustin, you brought it up earlier, you get uh, you get 15 million people in a convention, which is the number of Southern Baptists there are. 15 million Southern Baptists. You get that many sinners in the same denomination, you're going to have issues. And so the SBC was having a number of different issues talking about future ministry, so on and so forth. And a lot of younger guys were thinking, you know, why, why am I in the convention? Why am I part of this? Do I need to be part of this? And some were leaving. And I was doing an interview with Mark Dever and I asked 
Pastor Mark, I said, you know, if you were talking to a, a young guy, which he was, he was talking to me, and they asked, you know, why should I be part of or continue to be part of the Southern Baptist Convention? He said, reaching the nations. There's no better mechanism out there for funding mission than the cooperative program. And that has always stuck with me. And I've looked around uh, at different denominations. I've looked around at different networks and I don't see anything that works quite as well, not perfectly by any stretch of the imagination. There are lots of problems. So with all that nuance uh, there, uh, there's still, it's still a fact, I think, that this mechanism of us pulling our resources in the cooperative program to fund mission, to fund uh, missionaries, to fund church planters, to fund theological education, to fund disaster relief, to do the things that we do, this thing works and has worked for a long time. So we as a church give to it and uh, your churches give to it. And I pray that more and more churches would, would give. And at the end of the day, just to wrap up, at the end of the day, the reason we do this is not simply to reach people with the gospel. Uh, that, that's a means, right? We want to reach people with the gospel for the glory of God. We want the nations to worship. We want people from every tribe and tongue to sing the praises of a God who deserves their praises. And we want them to sing those praises forevermore. And the way we have decided to do that as Southern Baptists is to pull our resources to fund this one sacred effort. So thanks for listening today. I uh, hope you've enjoyed the discussion, and uh, we hope you will link arms with those around you for the cause of Christ. Mm-hmm.